Hello everyone and welcome to our next on-stage interview. I'm Ian McAllister, head honcho of The Giant Brain, and I'll be your interviewer tonight. My guest tonight is a writer and editor with his current job being the editor of Tabletop Gaming Magazine. For a long time there hadn't been any sort of representation of our hobby on the shelves of the nation's supermarkets and newsagents. Tabletop Gaming Magazine put paid to that when it was first published in 2015, and has since become a mainstay of the published writing side of criticism. My guest has continued the work of his forebear Matt Jarvis in promoting the hobby through the magazine. I'm delighted to welcome Chris Eggett to the Giant Brain HQ. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yes, thank you for thank you for having me. Thanks for agreeing to come on. Yeah, it's, it's great. I've uh, um, uh, I've enjoyed your community a great deal. Sort of, uh, it, f- it feels like a very like professional and writerly community uh, in a lot of ways uh, to me. <laughs> I'm glad we give that impression. <laughs> uh, well, I, I I like it a lot. I, I think it's um, uh, it's people very taking taking the hobby quite seriously in in a way that isn't dour or or uh over academic or anything like that it's just uh just like because they care and that's that's nice yeah that's good <laughs> yeah we do indeed i don't know much about your history how did you come to be the editor of tabletop game magazine absolute blind luck mostly <laughs> i have a uh sordid history in uh marketing But that's obviously where I sort of developed my writing in a way that, you know, is, is to do with like a great deal of output. And then uh, at some point during that phase, I was, my brain was obviously beginning to stop working because that's what happens when you work in marketing. And um, I decided to start doing um, literary newsletters. Okay. Which I, I ran every Friday. I would, I'd, and, that, and that started me along this route of, um, uh, well, there was that. And then there was also, I, I started a, um, a fake music blog. Okay. Um, where, yeah. So we'd, um, me and my friends would generate, we'd generate like a, an album cover, uh, an album name and a band name. Right. And then we think, oh, that's quite funny. Then we mock it up in, you know, paint or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and put, and then we'd look at it and then, and then I'd go and write a review of it. <laughs> and the thing is, at some point that turned into me writing these fake reviews into people submitting real, albums for me to review okay so it's a literal story of faking to make anyway this is this is how i got started in actual kind of uh, cultural criticism i guess you'd say or uh, criticism around sort of cultural products in that way and then also that that led into the literary thing where i was doing a newsletter every friday uh on top of my my day job and stuff like that about yeah poetry and, and books and uh yeah and that's really what led me to a position where i could kind of uh, i can't actually remember if um i was called or i called someone uh when i saw the job or whether they just called me and told me about it but i thought that's that's a funny idea i should definitely go for that uh imagine getting to write about board games forever i'd, I'd love to write about games at all um and to write about board games would be even better imagine if imagine if they liked me um <laughs> and they like me enough <laughs> and here i am uh whether they regret it or not and whether the readers regret it well that's yet to be seen uh, i'm still here so <laughs> when you were making up your fake bands and reviewing them did you ever accidentally make up a real band did you ever like sort of cross paths for the real band by an act by accident not i mean not knowingly <laughs> i think the thing was, obviously, we were doing it with a um, a great sense of irony. Sure, you know, we wanted it to be, we kind of wanted it to be funny, but you know, on that cusp of plausibility. Whereas most bands I eventually got albums sent from, they would they would be uh, either unintentionally funny um, or like it was they were also being intentionally funny. So there was never there, there was 
there was never quite uh, enough to have a crossover, a true, a true crossover there. Um, that, but that's a funny idea. I'm, I've never actually checked, actually, if I if I've accidentally, you know, invented Fleetwood Mac or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's that's how that's that's kind of like uh, that's my fake it to make it story. Uh, um, literally, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, literally. Yes. It's, it's very. Funny. I mean, I will say one of the things, and then we might go into this later. Is um, or get us all dance around it later probably is um the reason i stopped doing the uh album reviews i just cut it one day because i because the, the tone of the, the website was obviously meant to be a um uh, a brash enemy style review right so it was like quite mean to be honest sure. and then i did it i did a mean one <laughs> to a real person who probably didn't deserve it and they emailed me about it and i just felt so bad i stopped uh, <laughs> Uh, that's not how it works anymore, by the way. If anyone's thinking about emailing me about a review I've given of one of their games, uh, although you're welcome to email me about it, uh, I won't be changing my mind or stopping. Uh. So you've obviously had, uh, you sort of alluded to a relationship with games there before you got into cultural mm-hmm. criticism. How have you found that having a job in the industry has changed your relationship with playing board games? So um, I'm like a I'm like a pig in muck is what I was. So that came with a certain amount of enthusiasm, but and that also extended my friendship group. Um, one of the things I've learned over time is you can burn out other people whose job it isn't to review games or think about games all the time when you bring three games to a games night. Uh, and they would actually just quite like to play Catan again. Uh, yeah, I've definitely had that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's quite a strange thing because you're like, I'm giving you a gift of this, of like, access to all these things. And obviously they don't, care enough and what if some of them are bad some of them might be bad and really often often they are and i think part of that leads into the other part which is i'm way more critical of of games than i used to be because i sort of have a a running metric in my brain of like i'm trying to create like the perfect collection yeah um somehow and that's a collection of i'm going to say that's a collection of 48 games Ooh. And that's, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's how many games someone should have, uh, at most. And if you've got more than that, you, you've probably got doubles in some way, or you've got, um, you know, a, a problem. And I know there's gr- a great many people with hundreds and thousands of games who aren't shops. Um, yeah, I've got about 40 myself thereabouts. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, a, I think that's a sensible amount for someone who's like highly engaged in the, in the hobby. I think that's a good amount because you're probably being quite honest with yourself about, how much you're going to play yeah any of these games you know so yeah like, i like uh, to keep my collection i call it active so it's like they're actually getting played in a given mm-hmm. year uh i mean obviously that's been a little more difficult the last couple of years um so i'm i'm just in the process of doing a little bit of a purge just now some of my collection and you, you usually write about that as well so i'll probably write about that towards the end of the year like what's what's staying what's going why yeah i I really like those articles um i don't think i can get i can't get away with it in the magazine and um which i think is a a, an interesting like difference between online and offline media Mm. you know my my background is actually just circle back to that for a second is mostly online yeah you know um so to come to print and just have such a like the idea of a finite amount of space for the words you're going to put on the page yeah. <laughs> is actually uh, revolutionary in the way you think about the value of your words. Yeah, a bit of restriction helps definitely. Absolutely. So I think things like that, which I love, um, I, I don't think we can do in print. I don't think we can do a what am I keeping um, story. I know. So several part series about what what the editor has in his collection. Could be interesting. There, I, do you know someone in the office? Um, 
pitched me about uh we have this little tiny tiny little box at the beginning of the mag next to the the, the welcome page mm. which is our like intro to the mag where i i basically blurb the mag and it's got a little box that says now playing and it just says what are the games i'm playing currently because I'm, I'm usually playing about seven or eight games a month um so it's only only one of them uh it's usually one i'm I, i'm thinking it's going to get reviewed for the next issue and probably i like it you know for the most part and someone did say to me yeah you could do that you could turn that into a real feature but i don't know how much more of it is than that <laughs> you know they're saying here it is yeah um because it's yeah, it is the, the entire magazine is basically that, isn't it? What does Chris like at the moment, um, more or less? You know? <laughs> Sorry, I've, I, I may have uh, derailed us no, immediately. No, no problem at all. Uh, yeah, so we mentioned the pandemic there recently. Obviously, it's been harder to meet up in person and play games, and that certainly curtailed my ability to review games quite hard. So, what what problems has the pandemic caused the magazine in terms of ability to review games? I mean, the the Asmodi shutdown was a huge thing for us in terms of, you know, we, they, they are the you know, the the majority supplier of review copies of games for for us, as they are for most people uh, in the industry. Uh, even even if yeah, you're working directly with a publisher and and getting something sent out to you, you are probably getting it sent from an Asmodi warehouse. So that was that was quite strange. We. You know, we were very lucky to have already done a um, reader survey just after I started. And one of the things people said in it was that they were um, interested in old games. Yeah. Which I think is, because, um, you know, the whole industry is, um, you know, throffing for new stuff all the time. You know, <laughs> you know, Kickstarter and all this sort of stuff. We're always, like, absolutely tilting towards the newest stuff. And I'm guilty of it as well. I'm so pleased when I've got an early exclusive and I, I can't see anyone else has got it yet. And and I'm in print, so I had to get it a month early as well. <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and then when it's, you know, t- it turns up and then, you know, it's brilliant. And I was right. That's wonderful. That's a great feeling. But then to take, actually to take a moment back, to sit back and say, okay, we're actually going to do a few different kind of reviews in the magazine here we're going to go back to some old classics we're going to pick things and let, let our reviewers pick things that they really love that they'd like just to have a crack at reviewing and basically writing a love letter to for the most part uh also meant that we took on some reviews that we literally wouldn't take on at other times you know so uh and that meant you know we reviewed some some quite bad games um uh because people were able to send us them from their shed sure you know and that was just a kind of a, a sign of the the moment. But I and there might be some people listening to that and saying, "Oh, well, why would you want to review a, a bad game?" And I think there's something in saying that um, the magazine is itself a product, and as a, as a piece of of writing, you do want to see you do sometimes want to see something bad get a kicking. So it was it was still quite entertaining in that in that sense. But I will say it was one of the most stressful parts of my life. But uh, my my daughter was born um, in January uh, wow. okay. of of so that was, so that was about six months mm-hmm. uh, of 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 um, last year. It was about six months or not six weeks, sorry, of normal life, and then we had lockdown. So it's quite good. I got to see her a lot, but very very stressful time of the country's in lockdown. I have a baby here. I'm not sure we're going to get some food or toilet roll. <laughs> and also all the um the games have stopped coming in uh meaning that the magazine which we decided to continue to run at 100 pages a lot of a lot of magazines as you see will have folded or gone completely digital or or otherwise 
continue to run at 100 pages uh, to exactly the same quality we always have and uh, kept, you know, kept things kept things going. So it was an incredibly stressful side, um, side of things. But on the other hand, I would not have got into solo gaming uh, <laughs> without the pandemic. Um, and so there is that. Uh, I quite like solo gaming. I think it's its own interesting niche in the hobby. And um, it's one of my favorite ways to kind of experience a game as well as you know, the, the more common experience of of playing with people um yeah it's, it's not something i've gone to myself adam who's on our discord and who does punch board reviews um mm-hmm. yeah he's he's quite into solo gaming and has written quite well about what he gets gets from that i i personally like t- tabletop gaming for like me seeing people around the table so i haven't indulged myself but yeah it's there's, it's been a huge thing in the last year or so and you can see on kickstars there's always a demand for solo modes or or that that kind of thing I mean, I know, I know this is probably, you know, someone, uh, you know, selling, selling their own wares here, but David Tertsey once told me that, um, it's something like 50%, he, they, they saw a game he added a solo mode to as a stretch goal that got them an extra 50% sales on Kickstarter, as in wow. pledges. And so it's just like, it's just something that people want because they, it's just, I, I think for a lot of people, it's like an extra safety mechanism for like, I do get to enjoy this still, even yeah. if, uh, you know, my my girlfriend hates it or whatever. You know, <laughs> I think I think that's yeah, kind of helps people find value there. And also, if you play very good solo games, if you play things like I really like Oh My Goods, I think that's a really good solo game. And also, um, the recent uh, Veil Wraith from Hall or Nothing, that's a really good example. And I would really recommend everyone go and play that. I mean, even if you just go get it demoed or something, just play it for a little bit and then you'll suddenly understand what the actual rhythm of a solo game is and why so many solo games get it completely wrong because when you're when you are playing Verith you're kind of jamming and it's great um, so uh and yeah so to shoot, shoot off into solo games there for a moment but um but yeah so that was a really great thing to get out of um out of the pandemic uh just you know despite it being a great of the negatives as well so how do you decide what games actually go into the magazine? Uh, does Is availability come into the equation with regards to like Kickstarter games or other crowdfunding? Um, so uh, the truth is that it comes down to what do I think is looks good? You know, what, what do I think is um, you know, important for people to hear about? And uh, you, you're kind of, because you're commissioning things, you know, for the month with people, uh, freelancers, um, you are often, uh, kind of taking a punt on things, you know? Sure. And that's, you know, that's just part of the, part of the, part of the game, really, you know? We do, we do generally at magazine have a rule of like, you have to be able to buy the game. Like, there's no point in me reviewing a Kickstarter that you can't get anymore. Yeah. You know, there's just no point in us doing that. Um, so we generally then review Kickstarter games unless there's a, uh, so, for example, the recent, um, I say recent, the Kickstarter from four years ago, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood of Venice. Uh, that's, I've just, that's just been reviewed in the issue that's just gone to print today. It's, it's, it's quite good actually. It's, but it is like meeting someone from a different time. I, f- I totally forgot that game was being made. <laughs> yes. And well, I know, I know. Um, I think a lot of people did. And, uh, it's, it's really interesting, <laughs> but obviously I'm, 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 won't give you the whole review um other than to say is is quite good feels like a war game kind of crunchy sure 
and yes, just a little bit out of time. It's it's very interesting, but but you know that game is available via the web store. You know that can be sent to you directly, so that is available, and that is the 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 Kickstarter version is the same as the yeah the retail version, and that's the version we reviewed, and that's okay to us. We think that's we think that's an acceptable thing. It also allows me to do things like um, review uh, smaller smaller games or indie games and things like that where they are only available via you know um direct direct from the creator sure for example yeah and i i think that's the um uh, the big thing there but obviously shipping and the pandemic and all that has made things very difficult in that regard so sometimes we're a little bit out um and we might we might be a bit early or it might be in this case uh, a few months early <laughs> for, for some things actually landing um in the shops so yeah, it's been. I'm, I really yeah. feel for any Kickstarter creator in the middle of a, in the middle of distribution, in the middle of like getting their stuff actually sent over is just. I don't. I don't know what they do because we've, we've. I mean, we've reported on the cast several times about the rise in prices of cargo containers and shipping in general. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's incredible, and and also and also you know, um, I mean, my my stance is, I'm happy to wait, and I think most people are happy to wait. Yeah, because we've already waited a bit. It's not going to hurt us um, to wait a bit longer for a game. It's fine, you know. There's there's other other things to consider, and eventually this will probably work itself out in terms of the actual logistical problem of of where the containers are. Probably, we don't really know. I'm not an expert, but yes, that that those price hikes are horrendous. I mean, we spoke to um, Clint Barty, the designer of uh, Necromolds, uh, yeah. which is. Uh, again, reviewed in this this issue, a uh, game you can only get from them directly at this, at this point in time, but you will be able to hopefully get a retail version once things calm down a bit. And I mean, this, and if you don't know what that is, that's a game where you make little Play-Doh monsters and then do a war game. And obviously when you kill the other person, you smush them. It's great. It's um, absolutely joyous and uh, very silly, very light and very, very adaptable. But he, he, he said to us, you know, he basically had to say, to his logistics people here here's a blank check yeah you know that's that's what it took for him to get the, the product out of china you know and that's that's uh the sad part of it you know uh, he did some very clever things of like uh i know a lot of people are asking for just asking for more money yeah you know for shipping changes but he made a he basically did a um buy this holographic um sticker that i'll send you as well um you know for ten dollars and stuff like that there's, there's quite a nice breakdown on the uh, tabletop gaming website if uh people are interested in digging into that but he sort of breaks it down a bit and explains you know there's more there's a lot more people giving a lot more money than everyone giving a tenner or whatever it was he expected which seems about right because it's you know to kind of to everyone to their means you know yeah. in that way yeah well we can we can put a link to that in the show notes yes we could um, yes that'd be quite nice I, I've got. I'm a big fan of this game, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's sort of criminal that it's been <laughs> been knocked about in the way that it's been knocked about by uh, by fate. Yeah, I uh, mean, I've seen it in person. One of the members of the one of the oh, board yeah. game clubs I attend has got a copy. Oh, excellent! And yeah, and it's a it's a fine looking thing. I just I just think it's a very. <laughs> it's just it just makes me laugh. Um, I uh, I mean, it helps that I. I played this uh, and my, my daughter was around as well. So she also uh, was able to interact with it in a way that she wouldn't be able to interact with other games. And that's obviously because it's designed to basically be a toy that secretly gets you into wargaming. Uh, so. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, um, we've, ta- we've, well, I've written on the site several times about sort of 
how we fund the cast and how we fund the site and sort of the ethical side of criticism when it comes to money and the exchange of money between and the exchange of basically free copies of games between publishers and myself and all those sort of ethical considerations. Tabletop gaming obviously has adverts as part of its revenue stream. Uh, so how do you approach separating out your writer's freedom to criticize with getting companies to advertise with you? We have a very clear separated system where um, I I don't sell any ads, you know, to be, to be clear, you know, I, I don't have to wear any other hats than being, being the editor and, uh, you know, sometimes going to the sausage rolls on a Friday. Uh, that's the way it works is the ads are all um, purchased by the sales team who are very good and very creative um, and do very interesting packages for those who are uh, who are maybe listening to us and thinking, oh, actually, I can advertise there. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, you can. But I don't. So today is um, today is print day. Yesterday was binder day, which is the day that you, we get the fake magazine, which is printed out by the digital department at, at Warner's. Uh, which is the owning the group that owns us and it's a basically a, a kind of slightly rubbish proofing mechanism where they make a fake magazine that we look through for final edits sure. and things like that it's not really until then that i know what ads have gone in the magazine so and where they're going to be so what i do is i i plan out where the ads can go you know, amongst my features and my reviews and things like that. But it's up to um, the production team and the the um, the commercial teams to decide where things go and, who, and, to, and to sell them. So that makes me very, you know, I like to say, you know, it keeps me pure. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, that really does help, you know. The only, other, the only place where we really get in the vaguest bit mucky in that regard is um, Charlie, who's the online editor. Um, she does a lot of video content as you, as you may have seen. Sure. She just, uh, sometimes we'll do like a paid video or a paid social, um, video or something like that. And they're, um, there's, there's like, like they're re- really interesting to do. And often we sit there and I feel like it's a shame that she's doing it because then that means she can't, she can't go and review it because you have to have these lines. Yeah, of course. You? you can't say, you can't say, oh, well, we, we've received money for you to do this. So it's down on me to do that. E- equally, I like the variety of voices and that's one of the reasons I like doing that as well. So if I do a, um, interview with someone about their game in the preview, for example, uh, then I usually try to get someone else to review the game. Sure. Yeah. Just, not not because of any real ethical concerns or anything like that, or because, you know, I'm too matey with the, the person I've interviewed. It's, you know, it's quite quite straightforward, those things. You, it doesn't, you don't have to become friends with everyone you you uh, interview. But it does uh, it does help to just um, give that little bit of extra separation away from things. Um, so that's how we have a strict partition between our ads and editorial side uh, side of things. And, um, and it's as simple as that for us you know we don't we don't generally keep the games that we get sent you know often uh usually we've got a big, quite a big stack at the moment we'd usually you know um uh sell them off at a show or something like a stand you know for you know half price or something just because we otherwise we would just be inundated you know I, I we do we do 30 nearly 30 reviews in every magazine so yeah <laughs> so we would just have to it would just be it would be silly and you can't throw them we can't just throw them away so you've got to do something you've got to get rid of them somewhere so but I don't, obviously I don't do that. That just goes in, goes away to someone else and they, they deal with that, all that sort of stuff. We just, it just goes on a shelf and it gets dealt with at some other, other point far away from me. And, 
yeah, I think I think you know we maybe we'll come on to this later, but it's 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 important that we uh, remember that when we do things like write about something we like, you know, that we're still helping those people, you know, those those publishers, yeah, and that that's and it is still work, and you'll never be you never really be you never being paid in a game because that's that would be strange, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be able to give it a, a true, a true shake. Yeah. If you, if you, because you, because then you're suddenly thinking, well, I see value in this now because it's my payment, <laughs> you know. And that's and that's kind of that's kind of one of the kind of the important things of keeping those things separate is like you know we're, we're never going to pay for a game, you know. And that's yeah, that that's the point. And and in terms of criticizing people, you know, uh, it's better that we criticize you when you make a bad game so you don't do it again well you hope at least yeah yes yes well you can't stop some people but but equally you know it means we can you can believe us when we when we honestly praise something as well yeah so what do you think are the best ways for like an independent critic like myself to maintain trust of the audience so we we, we say up front if we have got copies from publisher or if we've paid for ourselves mm. that that that's how we try to maintain some kind of clarity as to what's going on with the games that we get uh, but we obviously also yeah. need a relationship with publishers. We can't just, you know, crap on everything that we get because otherwise publishers won't say anything. Why, why would you? No, indeed. Um, yeah. you know, why, why, you know, you might, you know, uh, you, you may come to a point where you say, you, you have to email a publisher and say, look, I'm sorry, I can't cover this. I've only had to do that once, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, and because it's just like, it's not, yeah, there's nothing worth saying about it that is and you know it's like i said earlier you know sometimes it's fun to see something get a good kicking but sometimes it's it's not sometimes you would just be you know dragging a, a corpse through the streets you know it's not yeah it's, it's no good it's no good but um i think i think that's the right thing to do as long as people know how you came across the game and uh where whether you're inferring value in it or not you know whether if you if you've got your kickstarter package that you've backed and you spent 200 quid and you're all in, you know. Yeah. Um, you've got the gold-plated minis, you know, and all that sort of stuff, then you are, you you owe it to your audience to say, I did buy this. Yeah. I am invested in this. Because then they're just, at least then they know what they're dealing with. Ideally, you wouldn't pay for it at all, and you would, you'd just be able to be completely honest uh, and open about it. And that's, you know, because that's, that's obviously, that's obviously better than, than it being complicated at all but as long as you're being honest i think that's that's all we can possibly do isn't it yeah it's, a, it's what the way we try and maintain sort of some sort of ethical standard of the, of the work we do is just to be open and honest about everything including like what money we get from patrons and things like that as well that's how we keep the cast going and we just we, we just yeah, exactly. update people every now and again on the embarrassingly small amount of money we make well, <laughs> the thing is, you know, uh, so I mean, you've got to consider all kind of, in the same way you asked me about the ads and I say that's completely separate. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, uh, um, if it would, you know, it would be unethical for me to, this is, this is kind of maybe, this is maybe in the weeds a little bit, but created by, uh, the publisher of the magazine. Yeah. Did you, do you know what I mean? That would be, that'd be very, that'd be very strange. And then, so when you do that, if you ever do that with your, for example, your, um, your subscribers, you know, um, then 
you you're also in a similar position For sure. um uh, and that's and that is just one of those things you just have to you just have to navigate. Obviously, we. I mean, I say that as if like people aren't subscribed to the magazine, but <laughs> um, but as I say, the magazine is a is a product. So it depends how you how you separate things out. You know, um, if you're saying your writing is a product in the same way in the magazine is a product, then people are buying it for that. You know, they are supporting you for that product, and that's the thing that you've got to remember. Because if you if you lose sight of that, then you're you are you are really in the sort of PR game at that point, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it's got that cross that line crossed into being marketing rather than criticism. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's I'm sure like there's a really good fun job in that somewhere out there. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm sure like I'm sure if you work for I don't know I don't know how Zartu work for their reviews. I think they're pr- pretty independent, but obviously they do want to sell games. And so uh, there might be a job at Zartu that does something something similar to that. I'm sure that's cracking fun just to be a cheerleader. I'm sure that's great, you know, on, on such a wide variety of things, you know. Um, yeah. So you, you touched I touched a little bit on uh, sort of binder and then obviously today's print day for yourselves. Uh, could you describe the process a little more as to how the magazine actually gets put together? Yeah, so I'll start with what, what happens today and... Um, and sort of work backwards sure. if that's okay yeah. um uh, or, or rather i'll loop i'll loop back to the back to the front um so i'm i'm in an endless hamster wheel of putting together magazines and uh, today is the day where i'm the most relaxed because everything's gone i've planned the next issue and uh i can relax because what's what's done is done the, the magazine is going out to subscribers uh on the uh, well subscribers usually get a little bit early but uh, it'll be in the shops and on sale on the 22nd of this month. Uh, and it's, uh, we've got a, just, sorry, just to plug it for a second. It's a, it's our sort of spooky Halloween issue. We've got an exclusive scenario for, um, Vazen. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of Vazen recently. Yep. How do you? Excellent. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is from their new, um, Mythic Britain. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, collection. So I'm, um, it's, it's really good and it's, I really like British folklore generally i think it's uh slightly sort of underutilized mostly because of the the way christianization happened in in you know the, in britain sure. and and uh uh associated isles um uh the way that kind of worked meant that um sorry this is going to be this is a really boring tangent but it's like when you read beowulf for the first time you think oh cool it's, this is an anglo-saxon text and then you realize actually it's christian monks writing a translation of an anglo-saxon text and basically giving it it's basically got an air of distance from basically it's looking back at the savages yeah. who came before and their rip-roaring adventures uh, <laughs> and um and that's kind of interesting you know um but that, i think that that sort of takes away a lot of the the folklore stuff that that kind of that kind of christianization of uh distance changed a lot of the stories took a lot of the stories away from the people in a way that you know that the sort of distances us from un- really understanding our our you know, inherent folklore and so i was so pleased when uh free league decided to come out with this as their next setting um and they picked something that i absolutely love it's uh uh it's the classic um if I say the classic um, stone hag, does that make sense to you? Yeah, anyone? a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, there's a famous one in sort of Somerset, uh, I believe, 
and uh yes it's it's just one of my one of my favorite stories i went to i won't say anymore because i ruined the scenario yeah we're putting a little quick start as well so everyone can play it kind of off off the page as soon as they get it they'll you know, have to go check out the website and stuff so anyway so that's all gone that's why i'm overjoyed and super happy today um i've already and then for the next issue i've already created a flat plan um and that flat plan is a um just a, a piece of paper with all the pages on it where i say this is how many this is all the reviews i've commissioned which i've already commissioned these are all the interviews that i've usually done already and usually written up already to some degree uh some might still be to come and they, they go in and they're sort of planned out in a kind of it's very rudimentary you know once you the first time you see it you, you know if you've i don't know if you've worked in 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 print before in this way but if you if you have uh you'll be very familiar with how kind of archaic a lot of it is you know it's just a, a, a very little bit but not very much yeah it's, it's just a load of boxes with the page number on and then what you're going to put in them yeah you know and then, <laughs> um and uh and you you do you add placements as well where, where you think it's fair to break things up you know and and to make sure that you know there's a double page spread for the marketing team because they want that sort of thing and then sort of backwards i so said from here uh so I should, uh, this, this is the thing is it is a hamster wheel. So it does all connect. I've already commissioned things from my freelancers. Mm-hmm. They've, um, they have a deadline of, you know, basically a month before, you know, so they'll, their, their next, de- their next deadline would be, for example, something like the first of November for this issue, for this issue, you know, um, for this coming issue. And so, and the way that works is people email me. Ideally, they email me a three-line pitch or something like that that says hey i'd like to do a um ultimate arkham horror the card game buying guide because they're re-releasing the uh the whole set soon uh which is in the upcoming issue as well it's really good we it's a uh, everything's rated at between one and five elder signs <laughs> but it's, it's, it's all it's all it's all the expansions and it's, it's just like you look you know it's one of those things it's, it reminds me of old magazines from when i was a kid where i you know, I'd pick up like a Sega magazine. Uh, I think there was one called Mega. And then they'd have just like these useful things of like, here's all the weird controllers you can buy with like turbo on them yeah. and stuff like that. And and this one's crap, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I used to love that sort of thing. The utility of it just feels really, it's got a really nice place in my heart. Anyway, so someone sends me a three-line pitch. Ideally, a couple of months ago, I say, hey, that'd be really good for our October issue because it's just before Halloween. Nice and spooky, nice a bit of spooky imagery, lovely stuff that can all go together it's really well really timely and then that can go from there you know then i get everything in and start editing stuff together which is just making sure it it fits the style and that i've taken out taken out like all the typos and then put one or two of my own in or something like that and then from there it's off to the designer He'll bring it back to me and give it to me in a designed up format, you know, and then I make sure everything's legal as well as, you know, looking good. Uh, and then it's back to where we are now where everything's, I've signed everything off. It goes to the designer. We get the binder. We do the, we do the final proof and then it goes off to print. And I think I covered everything yeah, there. Extensive. But in, but in a, but in a really wishy washy way that kind of basically says you just do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is um, it's is really no different to um, writing a uh, extended blog series or something like that sure. um, online. 
but because you have these formal things in place and deadlines that involve a lot of ink and a lot of paper, uh, <laughs> you have a different kind of a relationship with them. So yeah, hopefully that explained it, and hopefully that wasn't too boring for everyone. No, not at all. No, yeah, I have my own process for getting stuff to the pit, getting stuff to the screen, I guess, rather than the page in my case. But yeah, I I I occasionally let mistakes through as well, and our our lovely Discord members occasionally catch them as well. <laughs> yes, I mean, I do miss I do miss being mainly digital for the fact that you can just go into the cms and fix it yeah uh, <laughs> uh, uh i have let through one or two hours in my in my time uh ho- hopefully hopefully not to my massive detriment but probably a little bit um i'd be interested in knowing your um your your process for for getting things um to, to the i mean it's pretty site. it's pretty straightforward i mean i i actually draft um in in compen these days uh, I don't. I don't really draft to screen because I can't really do it. it just, yeah. My brain doesn't work that way. So yeah, most of my first mm-hmm. drafts are just straight um, ink, ink to paper because uh, I find that my mm-hmm. brain flows that way better. Just just write the thing, have the idea for the thing, or have the review sort of like sketched out in my brain already, and then mm-hmm. just sit down and write it, mistakes and all, and then transfer it into a drive file, a Google Drive file, where I do all the corrections, tidy words up, maybe add some extra bits and pieces. And then uh, there's an add-on you can get, which basically links your drive file to a WordPress page. So I can just oh, I, I, so I can just transfer it directly to being a post on the site. And then I go, I go and read through it again, and last bits of editing pictures, that kind of thing. So, yeah, three steps, three steps. There's an uh, on, ongoing joke in... Um in the newsletter world if if anyone is interested in media media and things like that um of uh uh you you, you do really well to read um today in tabs if if you're a, a fan of um media and hate reads and um absolute garbage like that if you miss gorka if you miss old gorka as in the the gossip website not sebastian gorka the um uh, the guy who hung around with donald trump for a while uh, you you could do, do really well to read Today in Tabs because they have a joke, which is basically you know the the cosmic brain meme. Uh, yeah, um, there's you know and uh, the and it's the it progressively goes from like um, draft draft on paper to you know draft draft in word to draft in notes and then put into word and then to the final version, which is um, type directly into the CMS, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which no one wants to do. Yeah, <laughs> but it's apparently it's apparently how many of these modern media jobs work for you know for things like um gawkers ex- exist now and you know all those all those media ent- entities yeah yeah sorry i've I massively derailed you there no, no, I, 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 can, I can do that i mean i i just like i, I like the the feel of pen on paper it's, it just flows better i use like a fountain pen as well so there's there's something about that flow that just hooks into my brain better for actually sort of writing writing mm. stuff down for the first time through i think it I think it depends how you're how you're writing. I I often uh, sorry. T- tell me to just shut yeah. up if you if you want to move on. But I I like to write in an inobtrusive way. So I might use something like notes. So I, I used to use things like Notepad plus plus and stuff like that um, to do like very the most inobtrusive version of things that had li- the least spell check and the least or anything because I want to just like slam my notes down. I start that way. Now I just don't have the opportunity to do that because I write so much now. Yeah, um, yeah I think I, I think I do thirty thousand words a month or something like that for the magazine plus whatever extras. You know, it's. Uh, uh, but I think if you're writing, I th- there's a kind of writing which is 
informational, which you, which can always do with immediately having that structure. And then sometimes there's stuff where you you're kind of like emptying your soul onto the page yeah. <laughs> and i assume that i assume that's where you're going yeah there's just a bit more personality in there yeah and yeah i, I find it easier to sort of express that in in pen to paper first and then i can sort of tidy mm. it up a little bit when when it gets to the screen mm-hmm. yeah uh, let's move on a little bit from um, my introspection <laughs> in my writing process. Uh, I'm sorry, no, I was no. I, that was absolutely down that off off and down that rabbit hole. No. So go it's on, an go interesting on. rabbit hole to go down. I, I enjoyed that one. Um, so the, the well, the last year has been one of sort of some controversy and introspection for the hobby. We've covered a lot of sort of horrible things on the cast. Uh, would mm. you ever consider covering more industry news based items like the recent controversy surrounding um, the gaming goat, for instance, and tournament fishing? And if so, can I have a job? <laughs> um, if we were going to, yeah, you certainly could. But uh, but we're probably not in the magazine because it, it's very hard to have a hot take in print. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> Especially for a monthly magazine. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, can you imagine when it was? It was it used to be um, every other month? Mm-hmm. And then you, before that, it was quarterly. Can you imagine how, how cold the takes were? Um, very cold. I, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, I think, I think we have to, we personally, there's, a, we, uh, sorry, we personally is a, a funny sentence. Um, we, we at the magazine have to take these things kind of from a broader and context providing perspective. So one of the things we are talking about in the office at the moment that Charlie's sort of, um, working up is she's, she wants to talk more about women in card games mm-hmm. yeah uh, especially trading card games because as in the representation of women in those games or no just being a woman oh, trying to play I see, right. yeah <laughs> um and how how do you even get in um how does it how do the game shops work for you in the uh, this these experiences because she's i'm sometimes horrified by the experiences she has in game stores you know where she's getting really like really bad service and i don't mean that in a kind of like everything should be perfect and people should um you know not have their own stuff going on especially if you're running your own business during the year of pandemic but yeah um so we have to we have to approach it from this kind of like wider context of of things so it's it's very hard for us to um enjoy the the rolling around in the muck um (laughs) which is one of the reasons i really like your (laughs) your discord we do like <laughs> because the they're, they're, yeah exactly me, me too and uh I, I miss it i miss it a little bit and so it's one of the one of the yeah i can put a toe in can't i here yeah. and that that makes that uh that always feels good uh but uh yes i've i've written in my notes here i am always open to pitches so if you can if you can think of the way to um to get get around to it. I, I was thinking re- i really got to reach out to eric lang again i've not spoken to him since my very first here's my first interview on the job you know, which is sort of kind of like quite high stakes thinking about it uh, yeah and obviously he's you know one of the nicest people in the industry and so he was he was very kind to me but i feel we we really need to hear from eric in terms of like what he what he believes his role is now because he's very much on on a path towards trying to kind of make things better in a kind of yeah. um i'm gonna say like a, a social justice way yeah, he's been very active amongst all the sort of controversies in the last year or so. Yeah, and I think I think that's right. I think he's he's a really good person to do that because he is, you know, kind of unassailable 
uh, in lots of ways in terms of the quality of his work and um, the respect that people have for him. I think that's what he's a really good guy to that. And also he's incredibly charming. So, you know, there's not really a better person to, uh, to pick up that role. And, and it'd be interesting to talk to him about how, how we've come to where we are now, which is, um, uh, which is where we do have things like tournament fishing with the potentially racist frog. Yes. Um, thing, which maybe are definitely like not nice people. Yeah. From, from what I've, from what I've read. So it's sort of, it seems unlikely to be a game that we'd cover in any, in any reasonable way. And so, you know, it's best just let it die in darkness. And they obviously they got what they wanted, which is a whole, whole heap of, uh, attention. And, um, you know, people uh, engaging in the culture war that um, is mostly American and does not apply to a great deal of the rest of us, I don't think, in the way that it applies to Americans. Yeah, no, the sort of cancel culture or cultural war thing, which is, I mean, it's a bit over here. It's definitely more prevalent in the States, but it, there's, a, there's a bit of that over here, but it feels like there's less of the controversy amongst the critical community over here. Everyone sort of Certainly, knows yeah. each other a little bit more and there's less of the daggers at dawn kind of stuff that's going over on in the american critical community right now i just i just think it doesn't hold well with british people to be that serious about politics um in a lot of a lot of ways i think to you know to to die on the smallest hill you're, you're most likely to channel that energy into your football team <laughs> or something similar you know so it's less likely to actually that's where our culture wars are is in these um separated and and sporting events and things like that so these separated silos i think and that's where a lot of our you know, bad behavior comes from. Yeah. I would say. I haven't thought about that before. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, yeah, that's just me um, spouting off here. But I think it's, um, I think it's interesting because one of the things that, uh, that is, is right and kind of a correct reading, I think, by a lot of right wing people is the cancel culture thing, which is there's a lot of people doing media criticism without any idea what media or criticism is and they do it on twitter and they're mainly doing it to get someone just do gotchas and i think there's a weird a weird thing going on there where people are just like desperate for for a witch hunt in lots of ways and that does lead to some like weird it's like some weird positions which are just just doing the bad faith reading of everything because uh, people can just be stupid sometimes and it's okay yeah people do make mistakes sometimes and it, it, exactly isn't it? and if you're in a pub with them you'd say yeah come on that's that's silly <laughs> but on the internet it's very different because you can't ever back down on the internet that's, that's very it's obviously very different but um yeah so this is sort of me uh, i'm probably just going off i've probably stepped out of my lane <laughs> but that's 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 where I, that's kind of where i feel we are you know um uh, it's interesting to get your perspective on it. Yeah, Ho- hopefully, hopefully not too alienating for people. I, I do, I do just think there is. I think it would be better if everyone just took a moment to think about whether something needs to be online. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so take a moment before you type into Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you, obviously, the magazine is quite varied in its content. You've got an excellent section which I love about which highlights games and designers from different parts of the world. Do you think the mm. hobby in general is too focused on American and European or, or Western design? And uh, is, is that why you sort of do that section in the in the magazine? 
So that, that's the section I inherited, but um, I, so I wish I'd I wish I'd commissioned that, um, but I would have, I definitely would have. Um, so that's by uh, that's by the excellent um, Chad Wilkinson, um, whose writing you can see in quite a lot of places. He's very good. If you uh, are someone with a budget and uh, need a freelancer to write about games, uh, Chad is uh, quite a good good person to pick up. Um, uh, you know, uh, but you could probably just go through our magazine or or send it even to uh, find to find all the. Uh, oh, that's where else I've seen that name. I knew that name was familiar when you mentioned it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I love Senate. I think it's a. Um, uh, I've not actually got my subscription sorted. I need to get all my back issues, but um, the issues I've read are, are very, very good. And um, obviously, Dan Dan already writes for the magazine. Yeah. And has done for for a long, long time, and so um, I really like the cover for the new one. Yeah, it's the new, um, the, the, just got it the, the uh, dexterity. Yeah, I saw that the, the dexterity cover. Yeah. Just fab- fabulous, fabulous, and uh, I, I call it the um, it's the Paris Review of board game magazines. Yeah. So it's just the you know it's kind of like a top end arts mag sort of thing. I, re- I do really like. It. I think it's a really good place for it. Um, but in terms of um, but in terms of what Chad does in the Around the World in Eighty Plays column. It's really good to highlight all of these places. Like things like, um, did you know how good the print and play culture is in Malaysia? I think, if my memory serves me well, and it's the answer is I didn't until I read it, and it just shows you how different cultures are developing different ways to get into their, you know, their way into the hobby. And I think that's that is really important because it does remind you that there is the rest of the world. And in the same way, I said, you know the uh, council consciousness thing or whatever the culture war thing is an american phenomenon for the most part um so is a lot of gaming you know i think it'd be very hard for us however to ignore the fact that you know it's it's germany the us and, and britain uh and, and france um pumping out the majority of uh top tier games yeah I think it'd be hard, hard to ignore, hard to ignore that, and uh, things like that. If you listen to our recent um, podcast um, with slightly, slightly lower um, audio quality because of the room we were in, uh, with Flavian from Hachette, he explained to me how France works in terms of board games and just things like um, going to a state-sponsored library event for playing and renting board games in the same way you go to a cafe and pay a fiver for a table and then a fiver for a beer and then a fiver for some chips or whatever as, as well um you can go do that all for free as a family but a family that maybe splits up slightly to go play different games in a sort of library setting and it's just like this is how it works in that's how it works in france you know you can have these wow. these experiences which we just don't have here in the uk you know and the, yeah, even gaming culture in the US, which is, is maybe more similar, but somehow people are playing so much and they have these, I don't know if you saw that guy who built a game shop in his basement. No, I haven't. It was incredible. It was, it was an actual game shop. Because I, I guess all Americans have these crazy, crazy sized basements. Yeah. Anyway, um, and you know, in Germany, you go into a normal supermarket and you can buy what we would call like hobby games, you know, uh, usually on the lighter end, but you can buy like proper hobby games that we, we review in the magazine quite regularly. And we're not quite there yet. You know, I, I, I do dream of the day that I can go into Waitrose or, or John Lewis or something like that, you know, cause I think that's, I think that's kind of where it's going to happen first. Uh, just because I don't know this, the slight elite, uh, the slight elitism of the phrase Euro game or something like that, I think appeals to a Waitrose audience. I mean, you're getting more board games in places like Blackwells and Edinburgh, certainly. There's a, a massive selection there now. Yes. They're having game nights there. There's more of the sort of hobby-style games yeah. are available there. So, yeah, we've seen more of that in the mainstream, I think. 
Oh, definitely. But I mean, but once you get them in the supermarkets, yeah. then then you're in a position because you because you, you, you can go and you can get three different copies of Articulate. You can get the big potato games, which is quite good. Yeah. They've snuck them in, and uh, you can do you can usually get some um, some some uh, Gibson stuff and some uh, Goliath stuff as well, which some of it is is interesting and good. Uh, yeah, lo- lovely companies. Yeah, um, but. Uh, but not necessarily what you know we 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 want, we want to see um you know david turtsy games don't we in, yeah <laughs> in 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 the supermarkets you know that's that's my that's my challenge to the supermarkets out there I could put a david, at least a david turtsy solo mode or something like that i mean i i really think that if you put dice hospital on the shelves of a supermarket at christmas people would pick it up they'd be perfectly happy yeah. to give it a go and they'd have a really good time and that would be all they do over christmas you know something like that level you know in the same way Target in the US has picked up a load yeah. of hobby games as well. You know, that like that's that's having to get in how we need to get in there. Yeah, a lot of annoying exclusives that we can't get over here from Target in the US. Yes. Yes. There's there is that as well, yes. But you know, that's that's what that's what they get for being so big, I yeah. guess. But I think it's just all of that is really just to say that like we're not there as as a gaming culture either and no. We could we could do more to focus on everywhere else, but also we do need to focus on ourselves, and uh, in the sense of like we need to make sure that like the hobby grows properly here as well. Of course, you know. And also, I just say like if you're playing a come on game, you're probably playing South American designers' work. Uh, so Massive Darkness, which is turning up shortly, that's got a couple of um, South American designers from uh, Santiago. Okay. If you if you picked up the magazine recently, you may have seen that we covered Mayscape, which is a Devere. <laughs> product that again i don't know why i've just gone for south america here but um that's that's um south american designers i think that's also chile again thinking about it okay. uh but but there, there are like there are lots of designers working this space even if the broader gaming culture isn't quite there yet so uh just one last question before we get hand over to our audience there's been a sort of general trend in the last few years to video content being the main medium for the hobby in terms of criticism I mean, you and I both believe in the written word, obviously, but why do you personally think that the written word has a future as a means of expression? So, I consume a huge amount of video content, and I think it's a really good way to learn games, understand what games are about. You know, you look at something like Shut Up and Sit Down, Mm -hmm. and just like the quality, uh, basically the quality of their gags. They're they're absolutely on my level in terms of what I, you know what I want from a video and our own content as well. You know, we, uh, Charlie um, adds um, pure enthusiasm to absolutely everything she does. So that all said, I think that while we're saying that video is, you know, maybe the main platform, the main medium, it's I think it's actually people being drawn to the platform of YouTube. You know, what it is, is access to an algorithm um, that is geared towards having people watch more stuff. And it's also monetized in a way that writing just isn't online anymore. You know, Uh, yeah, for those for those who are old enough and working in media for long enough, they will know they remember the point where Facebook uh, everyone pivoted to video for Facebook and then Facebook reported that they'd been doubling all their numbers accidentally. Oh, yeah, uh, and that, then everyone got fired. Yeah. And then, and then everyone got fired. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and you, it's like Buzzfeed loses half its staff and then they have to hire a load of people again because obviously they need to, they need to do that. You know, so this is, that's, that's a very 2015 comment actually talking about Buzzfeed at all, but still, you know, as a, as a legitimate media entity. Uh, so I think there is, that's one of the reasons it's one of the main, you know, 
mediums for us. But and also, it's like it's really the best way to learn a lot of games. You know, go watch Rodney if you don't know how, how something works. That's that's my that's generally who I watch when I'm not quite sure what they mean in the rule book because there's a comma in the wrong place. You know, or they've said may you know or something like that. Sure. And so, in terms of but in terms of why the written word uh, does more is because um, it doesn't attempt to tell you that it's true, and by that I mean video and this apologies again if i'm going off into kind of theory here or something but you know video content is very much uh always presents itself as a truth because it is because we are taught very much that um video is not a thing to be faked it's an evidence based you know piece of media sure. you know it's like is you're presenting evidence to the viewer and so the written word doesn't do that the written word sneaks into your brain and bounces around a bit and a little bit like when you're listening to a podcast and you want to pause it to argue with them whoever you're listening to i don't know if you've ever had that experience yeah. um that's always a sign of a good, good well there's two there's two good podcasts there's one that's good for while you're cooking and then there's one you want to argue with um <laughs> and that's you know that they're, they're the ways i define my podcasts um and um or you yeah you need to call someone to tell them about you know this this thing you need to interrupt the podcast in some way i think that's a good sign of it and so that's why the written word has a future is because it is you know look at someone like charlie thiel or we, we talked about um senator Ch- yeah charlie charlie writes for the mag as well so charlie thiel writes our indie shelf column yeah um but he's also known for his um very good long form and um really interesting kind of meandering kind of approach to things which are kind of very like new games media writing from uh, a, a long while ago now yeah. and so but the way he writes is a way that is kind of like gets into your brain and lets you do the thinking about it rather than saying this is a thing that does these things and i'm presenting it to you as a truth yeah you know? i'm a of dan, dan thorough as well space biff yeah yes yes Yes, I've um, I've actually yet to really dive in and i've been told many times that i need to uh, get into space space biff Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I also like. I very much like um, uh, Five Games for Doomsday. Yeah. Um, ben Maddox. He's he's very good, very incisive, and uh, and usually undercut with quite a lot of wit. So that's always good. Um, but that's yes, I think that's that's what uh, the written word will always have for us. Yeah, which is it. It's something that belongs. It, it belongs in your brain rather than another um, data point coming at you you know it, it really it really like lets itself worm in it's a philosophical end to my questions anyway uh, do any of the audience have any questions if you'd like to come up on stage to ask us and be recorded on the cast you can use the little hand symbol down the bottom of the discord or you can post them in our lecture theater does anybody want to ask any questions for chris hey simon hi how you doing yeah um just really enjoyed that um chat Obviously, board gaming is, is an expensive hobby uh, and probably going to get more expensive. How how much does the cost of a game um, get into your head when you're trying to review it? So, <laughs> um, it's important, right? Because we we have to, you know, we are a consumer mag in a lot of ways, right? So we we have to consider that, you know, we, we aren't just like an a- academic magazine, even though we are happy to wander down those roads occasionally. So 
uh, it does have to be a consideration. It was a really big consideration for me on my recent um, Descent review because the RRP for Descent Legends of the Dark is 175 pounds, yeah. and we and so what we, <laughs> yeah. So what we what we publish in the magazine is we always publish the RRP, you know, so you know your top end, you know, like this is this is kind of what the this is what they're trying to flog it at, but you will obviously get it for cheaper than that in some way, and so I really struggled with that, but then I came down to the line of like i would i don't think there's i think there's a lot of people who would not bat an eyelid at the amount of stuff you get in the descent box and the attention to detail and the loving care that goes into it for a kickstarter i think that's someone's all-in pledge there um for a minis based game like that that's why i came down on the positive side for it particularly because I, I had I had to, you know, level with myself and say, you know, this is someone putting out just a really expensive product that's, you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it might be worth it and it's here now and they've manufactured it. They've already manufactured it. They're not asking, you know, they're not doing a cheeky pre order through Kickstarter or whatever. You know, they they've actually just gone and done it, you know. And we should like kind of respect that in some way you know so it it does it does matter it does matter and it's something that i you know i think it probably affects me more on smaller games or mid-sized games you know a a mid-sized game that's 90 quid for some reason i don't know why and i can't tell why or a large box with one deck of cards in it for 25 pounds that those are the you know we've we've all seen we've all experienced that and gone they really could have saved my shelf some space by making this a smaller box yeah. you know and so that's one of the things that comes into it like it's really i suppose what i'm saying there and maybe i've just expressed it to myself better is to say it's about whether the, it's a waste yeah in any way yeah, yeah if it's valid, about, um, I mean, about I what, money sort of calculation comes in there doesn't it like is is this worth the thing is it worth it? And then also, are they? Is it too much at all? Is it gross in some yeah. way? Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like a almost like when you think about the recycling, and then you wash up you wash up the tin rather and put it in the recycling bin rather than just throw it away, as you've sometimes wanted to do because you're feeling really lazy or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like kind of like that calculation almost of like, is this worth it? You know. So uh, yes, it does. It does. It does matter, I think. And it's, it's quite, it weighs quite heavily with me on the bigger stuff. Yeah. I think more niche products, you know, so things like um, the gorgeous and beautiful Cosmic Frog, which I think is about 70 quid. Yeah. Um, I played Cosmic Frog only on, on TTS. So. Oh, it's just it's really nice. I really like design. it. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But it's, um, so, okay, but my review of that was simply, um, this is the game people think they're going to play when you get Blood blood Rage out, not Blood Rage, um, Rising Sun, yeah. uh, because it's like, oh, some big monsters are going to fight. Well, actually, this is the game. This this is the game. <laughs> um, but I have, no, I have no problem with it whatsoever because it's sort of lovingly made and it's actually kind of almost in a um, hex and token war game. Yeah area and and in terms of what's in the box and the love that's gone into it and well the minis are really nice you know um there's only a few of them but you know you're never gonna go a bit fro- never gonna get big frogs like that again <laughs> i don't think and so and because, and because it's more of a niche product i know i know that i'm safer ignoring the price a little bit on that yeah. because it doesn't matter as much because the people who are going to be into it 
uh, maybe already sold. Yeah, it's more unique. It's, something yeah. like that. that. That makes sense. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that kind of answers the question in some way. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Thanks. So where can everyone find sort of Tabletop Gaming Magazine? Have you got anything else you'd like to punt before we wrap up? So, yeah, so I would love to plug absolutely everything. And uh, firstly, I'd say um, go to your local news agents and demand that they get Tabletop Gaming in. And if they don't, um, subscribe via our website, which is tabletopgaming.co.uk. You can find us on all the social channels and you should definitely check out the TikToks because um, Charlie does some weird things on there. I'm too old for TikTok, so I don't really know or understand what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But if you are, if you are someone who's into it, even as a, uh, just a passive viewer, um, go, go jump in there. It's it's good fun. Uh, And then YouTube stuff's really good. And listen to our podcast, which is on whatever podcatching service, you use but most importantly the thing i would actually like to plug is our advent calendar because speaking about price this is this is an interesting interesting product which is we did last year right we did 20 24 days of delicious uh not chocolate games and stuff you know we did accessories we did um, actual games and things like that and uh and it was good and it sold out really quickly we did 40 of them this year we did 100 we've got a few left but we've we've priced them and it's sorry let me let me explain what's in it there's over 14 full games some which are brand new some which aren't out yet some which are actually ne- probably never going to be released and that's quite we think that's quite exciting but the price of it and this is my question for you would you pay 250 pounds for an advent calendar probably not <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting because we we know because the rrp on it in the end when you you add up what it's meant to be um is over 600 quid and it's just like the good. value's really it's yeah the value's really good and i know that when you're going to open the you know, day six or whatever you know with your with your family around ideally um you're going to be like super excited and you're going to be excited if you open an, another one of them by yourself because it's really for you that one uh <laughs> my collection can't take another 25 games it's just not the space and that's it well well, I mean, it's it's a, it's a mere fourteen full games, and then there's sort of accessories and other stuff that will help you with those other games yeah, as well. So, um, so really, you know, it's um, it's, it's very help, very helpful, I'd say. Uh, but that's so that's the thing I'd like to plug. I'd like to plug our, um, our weird and exciting advent calendar. That I can't tell you about because it wouldn't. I can't tell you what's in it because obviously that would give away the point of an advent calendar, which is there's twenty five presents wrapped up in there for you. You should send me one for review, and then I can tell you what I really think. You know, you're not the first person to have said that. Uh, <laughs> I am tempted to do a sort of um, try and get a reaction video or something put together yeah. where I show people what's in it, and then but we we just have the reactions. We don't show what the thing is, uh, which might be just a really weird video. I'm not sure about sounds, that one. Sounds like a TikTok in the making. It does. It does. Yes, I've uh, whatever one of those is. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I would I just recommend to everyone to um, buy the magazine. Where however you want to. And um, if you don't want to do that, um, just listen in and um, just get involved with our online stuff because we like talking to people, we like the community. Um, and if there's anything, um, and oh, sorry, also if you're a writer, which you might well be, um, and you've got a cool idea, pitch me. It's uh, yeah, you can email me through the website. I read everything. If I don't get yeah, back we, to you, just email we me again. Put a link to it in the show notes so that people can send you pictures. Absolutely, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, you can put my email address in there. That's yeah. maybe even better. Um, and. Uh, can I, can I tell people how to pitch yeah, me? Yeah, please. Send me uh, a very short note just saying, I'd like to do a thing on this thing. It's good for this reason. It's probably about this long. I've got this person I've spoken to. It's kind of cool. 
and then from there we'll work it up that's all it needs to be right um some people send me lovely long pitch documents and they could have started stopped after the first three words yeah you know because it's like you want a paragraph at most basically saying here's the thing uh, exactly exactly that's and that's i think that's what most editors want really yeah. just at that point you know obviously regulars are very different regular writers you know we we, we barely need to we barely need to talk because <laughs> we're, we're kind of all in tune but yeah so yeah that's that's uh that's what i'd like to plug and if you really want to follow me on twitter that'd be um cj Eggett at yeah at cj Eggett on twitter um which is just uh just me um retweeting things i find amusing for the most part fair enough and uh the, the occasional occasional uh other bit of writing i might do somewhere else um usually fiction and things like that uh, a little bit of poetry every now and again that kind of stuff Great. um and that's that's me done excellent thank you for your time uh, th- thanks very much for joining us and agreeing to be interviewed chris it's been most enlightening uh yeah thank you very much for coming along thanks for, to our audience for coming along tonight and we'll be putting this out as a podcast in the next week or so hopefully it won't be next week because that's when the new next brainwaves goes out it'll be the week after so whatever date that is i forget but yeah basically a week on monday this will be going out as a cast <laughs> once I, once i've got it all sorted out okay uh thank you very much everyone good night thank you